Hey everybody, welcome to the Know the News podcast, a production of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette Newsroom, where we offer you a sneak preview of all the great content we have planned for you in the coming weekend. I'm Dave Perosic, your podcast host today, and this week we're talking about the Benton County Jail. There's momentum brewing among county officials to expand the jail, which has about 650 beds but typically houses more than 700 people at once. And that's even with misdemeanor offenders not being held there. The expansion plans being discussed would cost tens of millions of dollars, and while the county already has some money to put towards such a project, it likely won't get done without some support in the form of an additional tax that would need voter approval. We've reported on this topic several times in recent months, and this weekend... Our Benville, Benton County reporter, Mike Jones, will take a deep dive into the issue with a story he is working on. With me today to discuss the topic is Benton County Sheriff Sean Holloway. Sheriff, thanks for taking the time to visit with us today. Oh, no, thank you. Um, yeah, so uh, jail overcrowding is becoming a very familiar topic to regular listeners of this podcast. It was just a a couple mm-hmm. months ago, we talked to your counterpart in Washington County about the overcrowding there in the Washington County Detention Center and what they're trying to do about it. Um, yeah, we both face very similar issues. Um, yeah, you, yeah. It comes down to population growth of the area. is why we have similarities in the issues we're having. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> do you and Sheriff Helder ever compare notes on how to deal with this? Yeah, yeah, we, we uh, talk quite often about different topics, including the jail. Um, Northwest Arkansas has become such a tight-knit uh, community between both counties that I uh, don't have to tell anyone. It's, it's, hard, it's getting hard to tell when you leave one and enter the other now. So, Sure, yeah. We have a lot of issues that overlap between uh, Washington County and Benton County as far as uh, concerns with law enforcement. Now, you've been sheriff since 2017, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And you were a major there for, for a few years before that? Yes. At the sheriff's office. Um, how long has overcrowding been an issue at the jail? Um, we, we talked about this in a, a meeting not too long ago. When did we start seeing the uptick in all this? Um, about 16, 2017. Uh, we started seeing our, our numbers rise. Uh, I think at that point, uh, right when I, was, when I was a major, right before I was sheriff, anyway, our numbers were, we were running somewhere around in the 400s, 500s, and then we just started seeing an increase. Uh, if you look at models of our population, boom, we were like, I think at that point, this county was uh, receiving, I believe, over 40 new people a day moving to the county. So those all kind of coincide together. Um, let's move fast forward to um, late 2019, right before COVID. Uh, was obviously, when COVID hit, everything changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, our numbers, I think, but 19, we were uh, we were approaching 700 inmates at that point. We were overcrowded already in 19, and then of course uh, COVID hit, and uh, the court system and everyone involved with the dangers that were going on in our community, they tried to release as many people as they could that they probably normally would not have. 
Um, but that was a necessity at the time. So our numbers got back down. Um, as, as COVID has uh, dissipated, uh, the numbers start rising back again. And now on top of having the population issue we have, we have the backlog of the court system, uh, both from a district level and a circuit court level. And so do you have a current count of inmates right now? I believe today we're at 714. Okay. And that number yeah. between 7 and 750 all the time now. And um, so about 650 beds, is that correct? Mm -hmm. that and yeah, you you mentioned earlier misdemeanors. We had a held uh, the misdemeanors, except for a few uh, certain types that require at least a 24-hour hold uh, for almost three years now, hmm. which is really uh, hurting the cities and the district judges that represent those districts that really have uh, taken uh, – a lot of the tools they have away, not having access to uh, be able to have that final uh, verdict for the judge to send you, sentence you to the county jail. Yeah, and so um, capacity-wise, you know, talk about 650 beds, but that doesn't tell the whole story about capacity, does it? Yeah, well, you... 669 beds if you want to uh, get actual numbers, but that's in a perfect world scenario. We uh, cannot operate in that because of the classification system that's within the Kansas County Jail and most other county jails. And it's based on a threat level and types of charges of what people are being held on, that we have to separate certain individuals from others. Uh, so with that being said, the national standard normally for a facility to be able to surrogate people as you need it's about 80% of what your total max beds are. That puts us down in the five, I don't have a calculator in front of me, five, 560, 570 range is what's, uh, by jail standards, is what is the optimal uh, population for your beds, 80% of it. Gotcha. We're way over that. We, we're, we're going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you deal with it now and then what is your long-term solution, your ideal long-term solution for this? So right now, uh, we have numbers uh, that are pretty equal, if not more, uh, than prior to COVID. Uh, what the difference is now is the type of people that are here versus, say, two and three years ago. Yeah, they're all, they're all felons, uh, but the ones we're holding now uh, or a higher level charge of a felon mm -hmm. than we had three years ago. Uh, so what's going on now, um, basically playing a triage game, for lack of a better term, as to uh, who's the least dangerous. Who do we feel safe that we that we, that we put out in the, in the community and which ones can we not? That, that's what we're doing every day, working with the court systems. Um various uh, things are being done on that. Obviously, a lot of people don't understand the, the, the sheriff and the office itself. We, we don't have con control over who comes here on mm -hmm. a felony level. That's up to the, the judges that sentence them. Uh, but they've been really good to work with us on 
are trying to get lower bonds or sat release uh, people who are charged with a felony but are not violent. Right. Who are okay to be out in our community um, compared to the ones that we're keeping. Yeah. So your, I think your question was uh, our plan. So uh, we we formed this jail committee uh, just prior to COVID. Then COVID obviously uh, derailed us for a while because uh, we realized back then that you know we got to start planning for the future because we have an issue here and it, obviously it's not one that we can solve easily and so i realized early on that it doesn't need to be me it needs to be all the uh, uh, shareholders who stakeholders who have a uh, interest in our community in the criminal justice arena so we formed a committee with um, various people from uh, all the way from judges to mayors to prosecutors, public defender's office, a couple at large um, citizens, police chiefs, of course, myself, um, to start uh, looking at what we need to do to address this going forward. And how often has that committee met? Um, we, right now we're meeting about every two weeks. Uh, during COVID, obviously, we took a whole year off during COVID because no one wanted to meet. Mm-hmm. They, other world issues to deal with at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've you've got land there, correct? Um, mm-hmm. Land for an expansion at the jail. Yeah, we do, but we we want to be mindful of whatever we do out here. That in the future there may be other expansions in say twenty five thirty years that we want to be. Um, resourceful in how we plan this. So part of this project that we're looking at doing a master plan that goes out to 30 years on for site planning, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and say 20 years, if we had to add a pod, where would that go? Uh, if we had to add another courtroom, where would that go? Um, any any pieces of the jur- judicial system we're trying to look at now and try to plan uh, for that so that we don't run out of room here. With the expansion that you're thinking about now, what, how many beds would that add? You know, we don't know yet. Uh, we should have some more information with um, that a month or so, uh, looking at numbers. Uh, so I think we are going to have a scenario where we can present to the quorum court and eventually to the voters. Uh, we know we have to solve this problem somehow. What the question is, how long of a plan do we want to develop doing this? Do we want to plan for five years, 10 years, 15, 20, 25? Uh, obviously, uh, planning further, the facility be bigger than what we need now if we did a 30-year plan, say. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's pros and cons both ways. Obviously, that would be very expensive, and that would have to – no one wants more taxes, including myself. Uh, but these things are very expensive, and uh, I don't believe that we could save uh, based on the cost of construction the way it is going up every year on a project of this magnitude. Yeah. So the number of beds, I you know I don't know today. I, if I had a, if we had a, looking at national standards, uh, they use a um, equation to kind of calculate to estimate. Uh, based on any uh, 
particular area, their population on what size of a facility they should have. Uh, they use a ratio point zero zero three is uh, times your population. That's used kind of for more rural type areas. Uh, obviously, uh, and then there's a point zero zero four and a point zero zero five. A point zero zero five would be a highly metro uh, mm-hmm. type uh, community. We don't believe that we're there yet, so we're uh, basing uh, that number on a point zero zero four uh, times our population. Of, approximately 300,000 that would tell you that you should have somewhere around 1200 beds okay. for your felony population. And then the other number floats a little bit, uh, 15, 20% of your, that number added to that for misdemeanor beds. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So if you look at those numbers and uh, that are used for national standards, 1200 beds we're at 669 right now so they we're looking at at least four or 500 beds mm-hmm. just for today so that will be the question that the uh, quorum court will have to uh, come up with is how far uh, do we want to resolve this issue so it's cheaper to build today than it is 25 years from now uh, right now i'm being told that commercial construction of this type is going up one percent a month so in essence, wow. you could be looking, uh, if we built something way bigger today, we could be saving 50, $60 million uh, for the next generation that, or we keep piecemealing it. And I believe it will cost us more over the long term. Yeah. And it, of course, uh, uh, it's too early to talk about funding mechanisms or, or what that will be. Uh, you have yet to yeah. decide that. My realm, that'll be up to the quorum court. You know, all I can is tell them is we have a need, and that'll be their job to figure out uh, how we would fund it. Um, but on a, you know, kind of on a different topic, uh, being at this point and having this opportunity to look to the future, uh, I wanted to look at the way we operate and uh, things if we expand that we can do to help reduce our future recidivism. Um, that we can't do today based on design of the current facility and there's several aspects with that so one of the bigger things that we deal with in law enforcement especially in a correctional setting like this uh, we deal with a lot of people who are dealing with mental health issues and i think everyone can agree that that that's kind of a problem nationwide mm-hmm. yeah yep. you know we have these people who are for various different reasons in their life, have got to a point where they're, they're suffering from a mental condition. And at some point it gets uh, to the point that they've got arrested and now they're at the county jail. Uh, some of these people, they're not really criminals. You know, they've done something obviously to get arrested, uh, but they're, I don't think their intent was to be a criminal. It's just the mental health, health issues they're dealing with. Well, inevitably, that ends up uh, here at the county jail and for the sheriff's office to try to deal with. So we're looking at, as part of this facility, having a whole entire dedicated mental health uh, unit with psychologists and all the staff that would go along with that and working with the court system to maybe um, create some diversion uh, sentencing for these people 
who are dealing with a uh, mental health issue and not necessarily a cr- criminal who who do, do not need to be sitting in a jail cell. They need mental health. So that that's one aspect we're looking at. Uh, also, with mental health, a lot of times you see uh, drug abuse kind of go hand in hand. It's hard to say which one created the other. Uh, I think you probably have all the above. Uh, but we're also looking at uh, during COVID, you know, we realized real quick that we were equipped to deal with a medical issue of that scale based on the design of the facility. So we're looking at uh, part of design, if we expand on this, to have a a new way that we handle medical. So we'll have a whole medical pod. Mm-hmm. Another way I know to describe that, it'll look more like a hospital. Obviously, the mental health area will will try to, that will be a lot softer approach than a traditional jail would be. One of the things is getting, uh, making sure that that area is secure for someone who's dealing with mental issues who are destructive to themselves, mm-hmm. trying to hurt themselves. That's having a room that they're in that's padded with no sharp edges and things of that nature. Uh, so the, the whole point of that is trying to get the person who's doing for mental health to get them stabilized so that we can get them outside professional help at some point. Uh, but we can't, there's, there's many organizations out there. Um, you know, we had the CSU that was uh, stood up by the governor. We have one down in Washington County. Yep. Uh, deal with people with mental health issues. Uh, and that inevitably that's a place that we'd want these people to go, but we can't get them to that point until they're stable. And that we have a hard time doing that right now in our current setting, uh, but with this expansion, having a dedicated area to that with specialists to get these people stabilized so that we know how to help them going forward. Yeah. Well, um, I'm glad you brought up the the point of mental health. Um, One of the people our reporter, Mike Jones, talked to for his story this weekend is Sarah Moore Mm -hmm. of the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, who I'm sure you're familiar with. And um, uh, yeah, she's skeptical about the need for additional jail space, especially when it comes to people with mental health and recovery needs. And um, she says, even one day spent in jail is detrimental to one's mental and physical health. Individuals released from incarceration have a higher likelihood of overdose upon release. And uh, to further quote her, she says, there are current state conversations and projects working toward tackling recidivism and none of them include building more jail beds. They are overwhelmingly focused on putting in place appropriate supports and addressing trauma, often generational. If taxpayers are to consider paying for something, shouldn't we have a clear picture of what we are trying to solve for? Locking more of our loved ones up will not lead to greater community safety, quite the opposite, end quote. And I just wanted to get her uh comment in there and and you you kind of you already sort of addressed the topic but um i mean do you have any further you know i certainly see uh, her viewpoint i think it's a little extreme the other direction Um, i like to think of myself as uh kind of in the middle on these things Uh, obviously we have to i would disagree that we don't need more beds uh, just based on pure population growth and 
I mean, it's pretty self-evident when we haven't held misdemeanors in three years that we don't have enough room. So what that number should be, I don't know. We're going to come up with a number for that. Uh, but as far as the mental health and people with drug issues, I'm very compassionate to that. Um, sometimes I don't believe that all drug users should be going to jail. I agree with her on on that for prison. But what one thing I do disagree with uh, with people who have drug issues, straight up drug issues, and I I'm here first hand on the ground seeing it every day, and I talk to uh, people who are dealing with drug issues every day here. Uh, there is a good aspect for someone being finally getting arrested and coming to the county jail. Uh, one, it forces them to finally detox, which they would have not done on their own. And we have medical here to make sure that their uh, uh, their health is maintained. Because that the, if you've ever had to witness anyone going through withdrawals, it, it, it's it's horrific. Oh man. I haven't, but uh, well, I can imagine. County Jail, uh, part of this project I have, we do some, we have all kinds of um, different organizations that help with drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Uh, we have faith-based groups uh, that are in here. I've seen firsthand all the above uh, impact inmates in a positive um, way to help them get their life back in order. We've got several organizations throughout they're here who have houses uh, when people get released from jail try to get them back on their feet i think all of the above these things are great things uh, what we don't have today in the current jail this setting uh, we have a, each area of the jail they have a day room um, which is required by law but what a day room is that is an area that's designated within a facility uh, to be able to run programming for the inmates whether it be uh, for alcohol abuse drug abuse um, faith-based groups. Um, there's all kinds of uh, organizations out there that are looking to help uh, people who fell on hard times and now are at the county jail. Mm-hmm. The problem we have right now, we're limited on space. Um, these day rooms, especially during COVID, could hardly do anything. We pretty, pretty much were shut down. Uh, but so I say I have someone to come in for uh, Celebrate Recovery um, in this room, we can only get 10 or 15 people. Well, I might have 100 people that would like to participate in that program, but we just can't do it based on we don't have enough room and there's only so many time slots during the day that we can do that. So the point I'm trying to get to with this new design, one of the things that was really crucial to me was was having more space for programming. Uh, so we're looking at each area of the jail that people will be held in a uh, area of separation will have its own day room for every area in the jail. So we, in essence, from being able to go in to be able to get 40 or 50 people uh, through dear, different various programs, now we're looking at being able to do two to 400 people a day. I think that will have a real impact on a recidivism rate uh, by giving options, uh, if it's a faith-based or for their drug treatment or their alcohol treatment uh, to help get these people back on their feet, whether they're gonna be going leaving here going to a state facility or they're going to be released from here. I, I think it gives them a better footing in life uh, to start getting their life in a better position. Mm-hmm. And now I get, you know, this is based off programs we have here currently. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of uh, diversionary programs. Uh, I have the inmate work detail programs. 
they go out and do good things for the community. We also have a garden out here. Uh, the people that I've seen that have come through those programs, we don't see them back as often. I don't have an exact number because it's hard to measure for us. Uh, but to say that those programs don't work, they absolutely do work, and we need more of them. So in that aspect with the, uh, the people who are in opposition to this, I, you know, I do agree with the mental health. That, that can be detrimental, just throwing them into a uh, an environment like that. That's why we want to have a specialized area to address those and figure out what is best needs for them, uh, but also create more space uh, for programming to help reduce our recidivism on top of just building jail beds. I, I don't believe that's the solution. I think we need to do look at all aspects of this. I can see where a lot of people might bristle at the thought of paying more to build more jails or more jail space. Um, I think most people, thankfully, are never going to have to see the inside of a jail cell. Mm-hmm. So they might think, what does it matter to me? I've got better things to spend my money on. Um, so what do you say to those people who are either tax averse or simply don't see the relevance to them of this kind of expansion? Well, and, and I see their point on that. Uh, you got you to back up and look at what makes Northwest Arkansas great, what makes Benton County great, what makes Washington County great. Everyone that grew up here and now everyone that wants to come and live here is the quality of life that we have here. This is a great place to live. It's a great place to raise your family. We have great schools. We have low crime. Uh, those things didn't happen just magically. Uh, those things are in place because uh, businesses we have here, but those businesses chose to come here because of those reasons, the same reasons. But, you know, I argue that the reason that it's great is because the people before me in our community leaders uh, decided back when this facility was built that, hey, we need to plan for the future and have an adequate and healthy criminal justice system uh, equates to a healthy community, a safe place to live. You know, my argument to that is, you know, no one wants to pay more money, but if we're going to continue to grow and keep this quality of life we have here, it's something we got to look at. And I just like people to think about that. You know, what, what's the importance of a low crime, safe area to live? Uh, you talk to some people move from other areas of the country and they'll, they'll tell you it's worth every penny from what they fled from. Sheriff, uh, we've covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Uh, I'm kind of out of questions for you, and uh, but I want to give you a chance to say anything else that you feel like you want to get out there. No, you know, I just uh, encourage everyone to get educated on this. Um, we certainly do not want to waste taxpayers' money. Uh, so one of the things that I'm looking at to make sure uh, whatever design that we come up with runs very efficiently with the least amount of uh, employee possible, because in the long term, uh, your employee is the real cost more than the building. And we have to make sure we pick a good design. Um, yeah, I just hope that the voters look at uh, how great it is to live in Benton County and let's continue to keep it that way. And that requires us making a little bit of sacrifice and um, uh, planning for the future for our kids and our grandchildren uh, to keep this a great place to live. 
All right, that's uh, Ben County Sheriff Sean Holloway. Uh, Mr. Holloway, thank you so much for your thank time, you. and really pleasure to talk to you. You too. All right, take care. Again, you can read Mike Jones' story about plans to expand the Ben County Jail this weekend. I want to tell you about just a few of the other things you'll find in the paper this weekend. With the primary election coming up in a little over a month, election officials in both Benton and Washington counties are still in need of people to work the polls. Benton County in particular is looking for bilingual poll workers. Tom Sisson will have that story. Speaking of the upcoming election, our coverage of the primaries continues with at least a couple more stories on specific political races in our region. The Shiloh Museum of Ozark History and the Springdale Public Library both have facility improvement plans in mind. Find out what's going on with these two Springdale institutions in a story Lauren DeJanks has coming for us. Shifting south to the River Valley, Thomas Sassente will have a story about the latest happenings with the Sebastian County Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee, which is monitoring the county jail population and how that population is being managed. Monica Brick will have a couple of Fort Smith City stories, including an update on the water leak adjustment policy and a special meeting held Thursday to discuss rezoning for the next step homeless shelter. And we teased this story on last week's podcast, but at the last minute, we determined it wasn't quite ready to run after all. We do intend to bring it to you this weekend, however. It's the story of a Springdale man who was involved in a deadly accident on I-49 two years ago. He was initially charged in connection with causing the crash, but just last month, prosecutors dropped the charges against him. This is a fascinating story that our courts reporter Tracy Neal has coming this weekend. As always, our features staff has plenty of fun content to share. That includes a profile of writer, producer, publisher, and food influencer, Kat Robinson. Becca Martin-Brown has the cover story of our What's Up section Sunday about Nico Albert, a Native American chef who's bringing a series of prairie-to-table dinners to the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville, starting next weekend. Again, that's just a sampling of what we've got planned for our readers. Don't forget to check back with us all weekend for breaking news on our website at nwaonline.com. If you're interested in sports news about the Razorbacks, we'll tell you everything you need at wholehogsports.com. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to check back with us next Friday for a new edition of the Knowing the News podcast. And if you like it, please subscribe. We're always looking for more subscribers to the podcast. If you're interested in subscribing to our newspaper, that's easy too. Just go to our website at nwaonline.com and click on that subscribe button. Or you can call us at 479-684-5509. Again, I'm Dave Perosic, your podcast host this week. And until next Friday, so long.